Oops. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to another episode of What's Happening in Travel. And this week it's a little chilly in Houston, so hence the hence the jacket. Although it's seventy five degrees, which is how much how much Celsius is that, Krisha? Is that like twenty something? No, it's not that high. It's like nineteen or something like that uh, for you for your European. Let me look that up real quick. Seventy five F to C. I think it's like nineteen, isn't it? Oh, really? I can't even type properly. 24. Is that what it is? Yep. That seems hot. I thought it was, yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, that's hot. So, yeah, Europeans would be like... I wish we would all get one. You know, it's it's interesting, right? Uh, Or or you'd be like Canada and just use whatever you want (laughs) whenever it's convenient for you. (laughs) But we're digressing already. Um, Krishna, what, what, what background do you have today? <laughs> uh, this is a Cargo Lux um, 748 freighter, mm-hmm. which has a particularly well done mask paint job on its nose. So, uh, very cool. That actually looks like it was taken. I think like... Garuda, uh, Garuda Indonesia has another good set. I couldn't yeah. find out. Yeah, yeah, they did. They, well, you, we've used that one, the, the Garuda one before. Right, but there's but some the new ones because they brought out uh, four other, four new designs that look really very nice. I think. Oh, wow, okay. Because it was A330-900, I think, that they had. Yeah. That, right? yeah. yeah, and they've also done it on the other 330. Okay. And then mine has a, I have the, it's a, let me go to this side. It's a picture of um, the San Jacinto Monument, but it's a view from the monument of Battleship Texas, which I actually think is no longer there. So in Houston now, we had the San Jacinto Monument, which marked um, the spot where they had the, was it a Mexican-American war? I think it was there. And from the top of the monument, it's really huge. You can see it from I-10. And you can also see the city of Houston um, when you go up to the top of it. And it's showing Battleship Texas, but I think Battleship Texas had been removed being repaired i believe yeah to be repaired so if you go down to the ship channel you won't be able to see that but it's, it's a little like the washington monument it is it mm-hmm. is it's huge but if you have nothing That's to do when you come to houston head down there and and check that out the cool thing is that you can see these ships when they come through the ship channel which is very cool have you, have you ever made it down there Krisha? Mm, not I, I i would like to go in more and see it in more detail yeah, it's, 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 oh. it's worth going down and, che- and checking it out. Um, all right, so let's begin. Um, all right, so Airbus, I, I guess they're making some changes on the A320, I guess the passenger entry, which is the main door that you're going. What are they doing, Kosho? So I wanted to mention this because um, from the pictures I saw in um, Aviation Week, this looks like a really dramatic improvement to the entry area and um, central sections and rear sections of the Airbus 320 family. Now, I think Boeing did a good job with their, um, is it called the Sky interior, the new one? Yeah. Where it looks so much more polished and refined than the previous version. 
But this one, I think, ups uh, the Boeing attempt in that it looks almost glamorous from an aviation geek standpoint. Oh. <laughs> um, of the 320. I remember this was just one picture I saw. And who knows if it will make it to production, but they just got delivery uh, of the first set, at, which is currently being installed on uh, a 320 family aircraft. So this is a company called FACC. Okay. And, uh, I found out when I did a little digging that it was established in 1981 and they've been working with Airbus for about 25 years, designing their interiors. And surprise, surprise, they are owned by AVIC, which is the um, Aviation Industrial Corporation of China Limited. Oh, okay. So um, um, they've called this new configuration the airspace cabin, the design. Mm -hmm. And it really, really looks quite dramatic. I mean, I, I don't know how to describe it to you. But it sort of looks like something you see above the bar area of uh, Airbus 380 right. in the business um, and first class sections of the aircraft in that there's this arc of um, ceiling lights uh -huh. um, and also the lighting in the main cabin. As I said, they're doing it not just at the entry point to the aircraft, but also uh, in the middle and the rear. There were no pictures of that, but um, uh, it's called the Hero Light, which I think is a sort of a weird name. Yeah. But uh, I'm sure marketing has something to do with it. But it's going to be installed imminently at the interior assembly lights line in Hamburg, in Germany. I just wanted okay. to mention because it was something different that we almost never talk about. Yeah. Um, I was trying to think if, so when I went to, uh, I, since we didn't have, was this year, this year was Farnborough, right? I don't think they had it. No, they didn't have it, but this no. was the year that it, it would have been, right? You know, I, I'm not sure. I, I lost track because of COVID now. Uh, but the last one I went to was the Paris Air Show, which I guess was last year, since it wasn't this year. <laughs> um, and I think Airbus had mentioned that they were doing something um, there. I need to go back and look at my photos because uh, at these air shows, they normally have these big booths and uh, basically they, it's a marketing thing. And so um, they tell you everything that they're up to. And I'm thinking that they might've had something there. I need to go take a look at it, uh, but that's cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Boeing is doing anything similar with the new 777X. Well, they're, but, probably, they're probably going to use that 787 engine yeah, thing right. that they have, right? I mean, which is still nice. Which is pretty good, I think. Yeah, that is very good. So, but it doesn't look as industrial as the, you know, the older right, uh, exactly. entryways to aircraft. Yeah. So, um, geez, yeah, that's cool. That's very cool to see that they do. And it's that. supposed to be um, lightweight too. So the Airbus is saving weight. Which is good. It's Which is amazing. Yeah. 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 That's so. a good thing. Well, I guess we'll have well, all the, except Southwest, everybody, everybody has Airbus in the US, right? Uh, except Airbus, uh, Southwest and Sun. It's something I never thought about, right? 
So let's see yeah. who doesn't do Airbus in the US. It's Sun Country. Um, Southwest. Southwest. And that's about it, really. That's it. <laughs> Everybody else has an Airbus somewhere in there. And yeah. I guess like, you know, the Miami Airs and the Easterns. Yeah, but those are not... Yeah, those are like major, those are major right? Yeah, they're not major yeah. airlines. So yeah, everybody Quite a turn around between all these airlines saying, yeah, they would only have Boeing fleets. Look what's happened. Well, it's the mergers that does that, right? Right. Right. Um, but still, I mean, look at Alaska. Um, right. right. When they took over Virgin America, mm -hmm. they're actually getting rid of their twenties uh, that they got from Virgin America, so they will become. All all, yeah, yeah, with me. But you know, but, but think about it. They, 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 they were in Seattle, right? I mean, right. it would it would look kind of weird if they <laughs> <laughs> rubbing Boeing's nose in it. Oh yeah, exactly. Plus, you know, they get a good deal for being an all Boeing. Yep. So they 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 can't get rid of those A three twenties fast enough. <laughs> um, so, well, maybe now they should park them, right? Since uh, since it's COVID time when they're parking planes. <laughs> Well, you know, I haven't heard them parking any of their planes. I'm I'm assuming they have. So they have, yeah. Uh, but no, I think they did in Portland, in Oregon. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's probably all the A320s, right? <laughs> I'm not sure. Oh man! Yeah. All right, good deal. Um, uh, the next story we have is so. Um, whenever you get on a plane, there's always that little magazine in front of you. Well. Some of them, like an Asian carriers, they're huge. They're little books. And um, a lot of the airlines seem to be, well, you can also get them online, but Kusha is going to tell us now what's going on and why does he think it's their dying breed? <laughs> well, this is an article, this is an, uh, sorry, an issue that I wanted to bring up because I think maybe and, uh, and, the beginning and, of the trend. An issue, Kushra? <laughs> well said. This, this was a relatively slow week for <laughs> aviation news. Not to detract from the topics we're covering, but yeah. there wasn't that usual flurry of activity all through the week. But I wanted to mention this because um, TAP Portugal has discontinued publication of its up-in-flight magazine. For now. The paper version, so, right? Paper version that okay. is found on board. I would have imagined that um, the ad revenue they would have gotten from these monthly issues would have offset the cost of, uh, you know, the staff and the additional weight on the aircraft, but apparently not. So this is the first I've heard of that um, an airline has completely discontinued its in-flight magazine. And I'm not sure I really would agree to that because um, I think there's a lot of information in those magazines. Now, there is a possibility, of course, that it could come back in a different iteration based on customer complaints or whatever. But British Airways, for instance, has discontinued putting them on board, because as you said, if you fly Asian airlines, they're like heavy books. Yeah, they're huge. Um, but they are available online. Right. Um, I think the BA one is called High Life, if I it remember is, right. It is, and they actually have two. There's High Life and then there's another magazine that they have. Yeah, a lot of carriers have two on board. Yeah. So this is the first that I've heard where 
uh, they're going to completely discontinue it. Now, I don't know, again, if this is a trend that um, will continue, but it saves paper, it saves weight, um, but it also loses some ad revenue for the airline. Yeah, but, but I'm sure but, they've done the math on it. Yeah, and they have an online version. So is, is, tab, is it completely gone, even the online version? Correct. There is no, ver no online version. Now, this yeah, is okay. according to uh, an article in Portugal News, yeah. which is a newspaper, which I would expect to be accurate. Yeah. So, so the, thing but, with on, the thing with these magazines is, um, uh, I guess they go back to like, you know, it was Sky Mall magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess they go back to probably even, even further than that. But it, I love the magazines because, you know, whenever I get on, you read the CEO message who's always telling you something that's going to happen about the airline uh, that's in the future. Um, so you, you get a good understanding of what's going on, although it was written by marketing. <laughs> um, and the, the, the piece of it that I love is the fleet. Because yes. always, you'd always go and the route network. network and the route networks, right? It's yeah. like, but I don't have because sometimes you're sitting and you're like, oh, let me see where the airline goes. And like, whoa, really? They go here? Um, but most so, passengers don't even care if they, yeah, don't even know the, the aircraft type they're on. Exactly. So maybe Much what less they the need route network of the airline. True, true. They probably just need that one pager, right? And a one pager will have, although. Like when you go into United flight, the one pager wouldn't work because like the, um, yeah. <laughs> the network is like a pullout of three or four pages. <laughs> so, so that I think the United it, magazine is pretty good. I, I think they've got some it, very interesting articles. It is a good magazine. So. Well, you know, but, but also the thing in them too is that they promote, like United does this thing, uh, Three Perfect Days. Yes. And it's where they, they promote a destination in there. And I'm pretty sure that... Um, they, well, I don't know for sure, but I'm assuming that the destinations may pay to help promote, Perhaps. promote Perhaps. that um, that thing that's there. Uh, but you can, most of them, most of the airlines do have a version online. So if you have a tablet or a phone and you're using their Wi-Fi, although the Wi-Fi is yeah. not free. So maybe, maybe they'll all have free Wi-Fi and you'll be able to go look at it. Because it is... Actually on that point, I just wanted to point out a pet peeve of mine for those three perfect days. I always uh -huh. read, but they always seem to stress eating. You're, you're stumbling from one meal to the next yeah. or, and living in these fancy hotel accommodations that I certainly couldn't afford. So I wish they would um, bring it down to more the average person's level, but I don't need to eat at the super expensive trendy restaurant or stay in a fabulous hotel. Uh, good show, that's but so, they're, not, they're not targeted at you and I. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know that. I am well aware. And, and um, I, I agree with you about those articles um, because a lot of people go to different places for different things and they're always like, oh, you know, today uh, as it, you wake up in the morning and you're going to go here for breakfast and then you're <laughs> going to go here and you're going to go to the museum. I'm like, yeah, that's not my itinerary. <laughs> I never do any of that. It's not even close. Not even. Yeah, but, yeah so it's... Uh, but you know but what? they're still good, though. I always read them. They are good. And they make me hungry. Yes. But see, a lot of people are planners, right? Like, when people ask me for travel information, I was like, okay, so when I go to here, where can I stay? And they need a place to stay. Uh, or they're like, you know, where? I'm, what, what are the restaurants I can go to eat? And I'm like, 
you know, uh, so now whenever I travel, I have to think about restaurants because people want that. Um, yeah. You know, you and I, we just go. We don't know. But where it's we're so subjective, though. What it type is. of food do you it like? Is. But, but it's helpful, right? Because people yeah. want to know, I want to go out for a formal dinner. Where can I go? And how is the wine? Or, you know, how is the steak or stuff like that? Um, but, you know, you so, and I, we just go, we, we, we go to, uh, we do street food, um, you know. Turkish kebabs. Right. Or we go to the grocery store. <laughs> That's right. But maybe we need to write the Kerwin Kusher itineraries. Uh, that, might, that might be helpful. <laughs> but, um, but back to the magazines. Um, they, well, I guess that's what we're talking about. Yeah, I, it, it, they are a dying breed. And it's because there's so much weight. And having worked on the ramp, they're a pain in the royal. Because you have to, so th think about the logistic nightmare, right? When the month ends, you want to make sure that when the airplane, when people get on the airplane on, say, the 1st of November, uh, what do we know, November? So the 1st of um, December, December yeah. um, they have the right magazine. So what we'd have to do, and the magazines come from the hubs, so we'd have to make sure that we would ship uh, a box or two or whatever, how many, how many of the magazines you needed for the return flight. So going over to London, for example, uh, November 30th, you would have the old magazines on because it's not December 1st yet. But when it's coming back on December 1st, you need to have the December 1st magazine. So the people there have to take out those magazines and they have to trash them or recycle them or whatever they do with it and put the other ones in. So it is kind of a nightmare. Although sometimes when you get in the plane, you'll end up seeing the magazines from the previous month, which is always yeah. my pet peeve. Yeah. The thing too is that what people do, which is a nasty thing, um, is they would when they chew gum they would tear a piece of paper out of the the thing and yep. then they'd put their gum in some are good and they'd throw the gum away some would leave it in the seat back um and then mm -hmm. the, the bad thing is you're reading a magazine you get to this page and you can't read the rest of the story because some idiot uh tore out a piece so they could put their gum in <laughs> so um yes yes it is a whole Thing behind that well thanks to COVID uh, they, they're cleaning everything hopefully so you won't see that kind of crap anymore but you, you know bet? well yeah Jesus but you know they're saving money and I guess that's the that's the important yeah. thing and they figured out that the revenue that they get from it can't sustain it I guess so mm -hmm. we'll see we'll see how many of them still keep them but yeah it, it is it is something that's happening in a lot of airlines um, they're keeping the magazine but they are cutting it from the airplane mm. Um, all right, so this one is a little uh, interesting. Um, <laughs> Wizz Air has some issues with the pitot tube, and Chris is going to explain what the pitot tube is, which you guys don't even don't even care about. But if you've been watching the seven eight seven, the the Boeing seven thirty seven Max, you should know what the pitot tube is. But Chris is going to explain what's going on with Wizz Air and the pitot tube. Again, this was, I thought, a very relevant uh, article. Yeah. We almost never talk about, well, I take that back. You just mentioned the Max, the Max. 777 <laughs> Max debacle, which was yeah. all about Peter Tube. All about Peter Tube, but, yep. Uh, this involved a case in uh, the middle of June mm -hmm. uh, for Wizzair UK. They were flying a plane, an Airbus 321 from Doncaster which is sort of in northern England in the UK, area, 
um, near Leeds and Manchester, uh-huh. flying it down to London, Stansted. And um, on takeoff, um, they were reaching, they were at V1 speed, which is the decision whether to go ahead or abort. And the uh, command, the, the pilot, there were only two people on board. This was a ferry flight. Notice that his airspeed went to zero. So he aborted. Um, they came back to the terminal, checked the systems, did all that, and they tried again. And then again, this thing went to zero. Hmm. This again was at a lower speed. Yeah. So then they grounded the plane and inspected it thoroughly. And it took them about two days to discover that in one of the pitot tubes of this 321, uh, they found three insect larvae about the size of a grain of rice. Uh, now, a pitot tube is these little um, digits, seven-shaped devices that are attached to the nose of all aircraft, sort of under the cockpit glass. Yeah. There are typically... Or on the side uh, of the plane. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> um, and... Then Wizair mentioned that this aircraft had been in storage for 12 weeks since March 25th. And on uh, June 15th, uh, the aircraft was taken out of storage and these Beto tube covers were removed. So the aircraft was prepped for return to service. They're still not sure how or when these insects managed to get into these um, um, little orifices, mm-hmm. uh, but they are in fact looking for, um, as they say, better beta tube probe covers. covers. Yeah. I just want to mention it that it's not just a straightforward job to um, unplug everything, uncover everything from an aircraft that's been in storage and fly it out. There's yeah. a lot of work that goes into. It's expensive uh, too. It's expensive, yes. Uh-huh. So now Wizair is saying uh, they're going to have to flush all um, pressure lines within an aircraft uh, before it, it returns to service, if it has been stored for more than three days. Yeah, it's interesting. So, and the thing is yeah. that the pitot tube, the hole is really tiny. It um, is very tiny. And it measures airspeed, which is yeah. really, really critical. Yeah, it's a, and the whole idea is that when the airplane's flying ahead, the airspeed rushes into this tube and the tube figures out, that yeah. it goes to the instrument and it figures out the speed of the airplane. An uh, article in Flight Global, which is a pretty significant publication, I think. Yeah, yeah, Flight Global is actually quite good. Um, that, is, that is quite bizarre that, uh, that that actually happened. And then you tend to wonder, um, this could theoretically happen at any time, right? Because when the airplanes, when the airplanes are left overnight, yeah, it could. The, yeah, the pitot tubes are uncovered, That's and right. yeah, they're normally left out there. And so I'm actually surprised that it took this long for this to happen, right? Considering that the planes right. are always yeah. outside. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe where they stored them probably have a propensity to have these things, or maybe it was already that little thing was already inside the cover and they didn't see it because it's a really small and when they covered it, yeah. it was like, oh, okay. Seems unlikely though. 
Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but you know, when you think about it, you're like, why hasn't this happened before? Yeah. I mean, right? Mm-hmm. We, we've stored airplanes before. So, or, or is it that they didn't do something? Did, did they miss a, miss a procedure yeah. that they should have done? Um, that's interesting. But uh, again, I thought this was a very different sort of topic. And I think Bez mentioned it. Yeah, no, that, that's actually quite a good story considering now. But I somehow don't think it's COVID. I mean, it's, it's happened during COVID, but I don't think it's COVID related. No, but it is a storage issue. Yeah, it is a storage right? issue. And something there are hundreds, like, if not thousands yeah. of planes in storage with probably very similar Peter tube covers. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and, so, we, and we've always been store. We've, we've, I mean, storing planes is a thing. That's what we do when we don't yeah. fly them. So it's like, you know, so I'm like, why oh. didn't this come up before? How come it's coming up now? So something is missing, but. Uh, all right. So um, <laughs> we're going to talk about cruises. Um, and uh, why is cruise a part of, of the what's happening in travel? And by the way, this week is November 15th. Uh, we forget to mention that I recorded it's on November 15th. But. We'll talk about cruise for a little bit, but tell us what's going on with uh, Singapore. They're doing a cruise to nowhere? We, we well, have... they've already done one. Okay. I just, again, this was another of those offbeat topics that we hardly ever talk about. But if you've listened to us before, you're well aware that we've spoken about flights to nowhere, which right. are um, particularly an Asian thing. A lot of Asian airlines are doing that quite successfully, as it turns out. Yeah. So uh, we had mentioned a few months ago about Singapore um, planning a cruise to nowhere. Um, and last week, it finally happened. So there was this cruise ship called the World Dream, mm-hmm. um, which is the name of the ship. And it was dri- delivered to Dream Cruises, which is an Asian cruise line. So they boarded um, 1,400 passengers. Um, on a two-night, uh, no-stop trip from Singapore to Singapore. Yeah. And um, they had 50% of capacity, uh, as was mandated by the Singapore government. And it was only eligible to Singapore residents. This was in the Washington Post okay. uh, newspaper. And uh, Singapore marketed it as a super seacation. Um, and uh, for what it's worth, it left from the Marina Bay Cruise Center, which is sort of, which is near the city center. Yes, right All passengers had a COVID test before boarding. Yeah. And uh, it turns out that passengers had a lot of entertainment on board. Um, for instance, they had a Christmas show. There were some spas, of course. Six water slides, virtual reality roller coasters, and they were thinking ahead, an ICU, an intensive care unit for any uh, potential COVID patients. Just in case. Just in case. Which is a good idea, I think. Well, you should have that anyway. <laughs> but an ICU? You're a floating town. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you should have an ICU. Because <laughs> you don't know what's going to... You know what's happening with cruise shows that a lot of these cruises, they've been getting away with a lot of things, right? Yeah. But I, what they, I wish they had mentioned is how they had reconfigured the 
eating buffet section. Because yeah, I'm so sure that is no longer uh, a thing, right? As it used to be. There have to be some modifications. And maybe they just have dinners at different times. Uh, I, I assume that they were. I wish they had mentioned it, considering it's the Washington Post. But yeah. uh, well, and on the on the contrary to that is um, the cruise ship that went from Barbados a few days ago, um, yeah. they, they had a positive COVID case and then they had to like return to port. Aren't they blocked? Aren't they quarantined in Barbados right now? Um, they probably are. The, the, the initial story I read was just that, yeah, they found a case and they went back to port. Um, okay. I haven't, I haven't seen an update or okay. anything like that. Um, but you know, the thing is that my question to that was, do they have HEPA filters on board? And apparently they don't. Um, I don't know if that's something you can install overnight or immediately. Right? So I, it, it is not, right? I mean, you're changing the whole system. And you have to, I guess, yeah. I don't know what you have to do. I know, I know a HEPA expert, but um, Virgin Cruises, they mm -hmm. just launched that new ship, which they... Um, at the start of COVID is when they launched the ship, unfortunately. It, it, did, a, it did a cruise to nowhere first uh, in um, Southampton, which I think is where it left from. And then they had like all the people on and then it came across the Atlantic. It was supposed to go to New York, but it couldn't because New York was having COVID issues. So it flew, it, it flew, it sailed straight to Florida. And then it sat, it's still sitting in Florida now, which is where it was gonna do its, its uh, mm. December or winter, winter thing. They are actually, apparently they were, they'd already thought ahead and they were going to install HEPA filters anyway. So now they're doing it now. Okay. I didn't know there was a, such a thing as Virgin Cruises. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, no, yeah. They have their, the, the trains. But oh yeah. The Virgin Cruises. The airline, but not cruises. They have the first ship. I forgot what the <clears> name <throat> of the ship is. It's supposed to be like, you know, and it does, um, it's adults only. Okay. So it, it's a huge thing, and and right as COVID hit is when it, it when it got launched. Okay. So it's still sitting there, and I'll try to send you some links to it. So they're going to be doing the HEPA thing, okay. um, which I guess all the cruise ships are going to have to do. But you know, it still doesn't stop you from, I guess, contracting some from from sitting at a table with someone. I don't know how mm -hmm. they, how they do or interacting with people at the pool kind of thing so i don't know how say that's outdoors because the eating area is generally enclosed it's generally enclosed right? which is why the hepa filters are yeah. going up right um but you know when you think about the whole hepa thing right like when you go to the grocery store there's no hepa filters at the grocery mm -hmm. store right um it's so a much larger area though it is a much larger area um so, thank god we haven't contracted something from the grocery store but um, yeah, the whole thing is just crazy. Uh, well, I'm glad it went. It was successful, unlike the one in Barbados, uh, which was actually a small, a small uh, vessel. It wasn't. It wasn't one of the big, big cruise ships. Hmm. Um, well, it worked once, so you can rest assured they're going to do it again. Yes, they are. Yeah, which makes sense. Um, Maybe these guys that did the Barbados trip need to figure out what they did right. All right. Um, so we've talked about airlines. Uh, when we had Charles on, we were talking about middle seats and keeping middle seats blocked and all that. 
and there are some airlines in the U.S. that are currently uh, blocking the middle seat. Delta is at the biggest proponent, and I think they go until January. Uh, but Kusha is going to give us an update on that. So what's going on with the middle seat being blocked? So as you mentioned, um, Delta has been using this uh, vacant middle, middle seat plan of theirs, I think, to their advantage. Oh, yeah. As, uh, Good marketing. Safety issue. Uh, to enhance whatever social distancing you can do on an aircraft. Mm -hmm. So um, this week in uh, Travel and Leisure magazine, I read that um, JetBlue um, is to begin phasing out this middle seat blocking that they've been doing because it's, it's no surprise that with the razor thin margins that airlines operate on, they cannot afford long-term to keep seats empty right. on planes. They have to fill them as much as they can, make money. So currently they are filling their aircraft, this is JetBlue, to 70%. Mm -hmm. That expires on December 1st. So from December 2nd, January 7th in 2021, which is the peak holiday period, they're going to expand their um, load factor limits to 85%. And after that, on the January 8th, they're going to fill their planes as full as uh, capacity will allow. Southwest, in contrast, is uh, removing their middle seat blocked guarantee um, as of November 30th, which is their last date. And Delta has also come out and said that um, uh, in early Jan in mid-January, actually, they're going to also remove that option from their service standards. Now, this makes sense because um, almost everyone has claimed, and this has been borne out by uh, studies as well, that aircraft are probably the safest interior spaces that people can be in, in large part due to how quickly the air gets recirculated in yeah. the cabin and thanks in large part to these HEPA filters that are already installed on all commercial aircraft. So um, in contrast, United and American got rid of this middle seat blocking policy ages ago. Um, yeah, which... So, I mean, they claim that this is not something that is sustainable in the long term. And what I found was interesting, here's another thing, about uh, Gary Kelly, the CEO of Southwest. He said that Southwest Airlines lost about 20 million in revenue in September due to this policy. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of information for that. I would really like to know his rationale for that yeah, determination. And he expected November to be between 40 and 60 million US dollars as the revenue loss to Southwest from um, blocking middle seats. Well, it- Because November is, he, sorry, just, just yeah. to finish my thought. Uh, November is uh, when this huge holiday in the US Thanksgiving happened. Yeah. And so, flights are typically very, very crowded. This year, who knows? Yeah, but- He's just looking at somebody sent in the numbers that says, if we if 
if our bookings were normal, yeah, and you have to do normal, like because what is normal? We right. don't know what, what normal, is normal is now, right? Then this is potentially how much we're losing. Uh, it also depends on the overbooking, and I'm sure of the unconstrained demand for the flights. And yeah, now Southwest doesn't overbook, right? Or is it JetBlue? It's JetBlue that doesn't. JetBlue doesn't do. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, whenever I see these numbers, I always you know have to step back and question them because, um, yeah, they 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 probably needed to report that better than how how it was reported. Yeah. Um, but it's travel and leisure, so no serious aviation. Well, yeah, I mean, it, and you know, a, a lot of people, like even I did something on the overbooking because I know it's what, or the blocking because I know it's what people are looking for. Mm. A lot of things, so I think the dates I have is like uh, Southwest is November 30th. Uh, yes. Yeah, JetBlue is December 1. Uh, Alaska is January 6th. Actually, JetBlue is um, January 8th because well, December um two is when they start uh raising their load factor limit to 85 percent well right they, they said they're going to try and place families or passengers who travel together in yeah. those middle seats yeah that's that, minimize that means that they're not doing it because on their thing it says december one they'll keep okay. doing it until december one and when i asked them on uh on twitter because i did this article back in october 25th Hmm. And when I went back and asked them, they wouldn't, they, if, you, if you look at the video, the CEO, the Delta CEO says, we're blocking the middle seat. The JetBlue CEO, she said, um, we're going we're gonna to be doing our best to accommodate our customers. What does that mean? <laughs> and when I asked the Twitter people there, they said the same thing. So at least their message is consistent. So it's like, you know, whatever. Mm. It, it means you're not blocking the middle seat anymore. Um, and then um, Alaska said they were January 6th. Uh, Delta is also January 6th. And Hawaiian, they have no reported date. Because everyone forgets about Hawaiian, right? Uh, That's but right. <laughs> it, it is a U.S. airline. Um, and they didn't, have any, yeah, they didn't have any, uh, any reported dates. So those, that's what I had on those. I mean, I, I, I get the no blocking thing and I get all the stats and even Bastian has come on and he said, you know, there has been no reporting thing, right? Yeah. But then when you talk about the numbers like that, if, and I, and I read somewhere, or read this somewhere too in one of my uh, news groups, they're like, well, but you're not testing everybody who gets on the plane and everybody who gets off the plane. So if you're not testing everybody who gets on, everybody who gets off, then the numbers that you're saying that nobody has gotten sick with COVID on a plane is not valid because you're not testing everyone. And you don't know if somebody was sick before they get on or sick after they get off. So that's my take well, on, on whatever. That's a very slippery slope though, because one day you could test negative and that same evening. Right, exactly, exactly. You could test positive. So. And what I think is when the US airlines say that, it makes people still don't want to be want to mm. fly on planes. Um, so they should just stop. Just stop talking about that report because it's not helping. Um, people, people are still scared and you need to try to overcome that fear, not tell them the plane is clean, not tell them that they won't get sick on the plane because it's not just getting on a plane. Um, yeah. Makes it. And the airlines can only do so much. Uh, yes. 
but so what they need to do now is to convince like the airports to come out and help them. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of it is individual responsibility. It is. All the foreign people and just basically everything that surrounds the transportation yeah. passenger, everybody needs to come out and say something because people are still scared. And it doesn't help that the numbers are going up worldwide. Uh, and it doesn't help that masks have become a political issue, at least in this country. But we won't go any further there. It always has been and always will be. Um, all right. So, uh, okay, so we got the block seats. Um, okay, so this is a good story because it, it's always bugged me. Um, when, uh, when airlines have flights delayed, they try to help you by giving you a, a hotel voucher or something like that. So um, one of the airlines have decided that we ain't giving you paper anymore. Um, and it's interesting that it's COVID that seems to be forcing them to do this rather than just innovation. And maybe they were working on it before. What's yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is United. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I've gotten this precisely once, so uh, this is not a situation that is likely to impact me, but um, I, I think it's a good idea. So, if your flight is delayed or cancelled due to an operational issue, that is, the airline is responsible for the delay and or cancellation, um, they will put you up at a hotel overnight if need be, and give you meal vouchers. Sometimes. <laughs> well, most of if it's an operational issue, not most, weather-related. Most time. Yeah. Not there, weather-related. There, there is a disclaimer. It's most of the times and not airlines do it. All the airlines do it. The good ones right. do it. Right. So uh, United has now gone online because if I remember, what I remember is you get this little slip when you go to the check-in desk after your flight's delayed or canceled. And you have to be in that long, stupid line waiting for that yes. stupid piece of paper. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so it tells you where to go and what to do. So um, United has introduced this uh, online system called Hotel Hub. Um, and it's, of course, touchless. Um, so they're using that as a marketing ploy, which is right. And these passengers will automatically get an email and or a message informing them of the availability of this feature uh, once their flight has been cancelled and or delayed. Um, This mostly applies to late evening night departures when there's no other option and they have to put up these passengers at hotels. So they're going to get this online. It's a hyperlink that they can click and uh, book their hotel for, by themselves and also get meal vouchers. So meal vouchers are not going to be given to anyone who does not have hotel accommodation provided to them by the airline. Um, they're only going to roll this out initially at the seven uh, United hubs in the mainland US. Uh, and an additional 46 airports um, worldwide or US-wide, I'm not sure they've mentioned, are going to come online next year. This was in frequent business traveler. And I think this is a big deal for a lot of passengers. Well, yeah. So I'm sure this is the beginning of 
of the end for these little paper slips for hotel accommodations. Um, and I think this, this is the right move in the right direction. Yeah, the paper, the paper slips, was a, it was just such a stupid idea. Yeah, and, to stand in that line only to get yeah. this thing. And, it, it, and it's kind of stupid how they did it. It's like, why don't you just hand them out? To, you know all the people standing here needs a hotel budget. Just give it to them and have them go do it. But they're always worried about breakage and people cheating and all that. And it's like, yeah, but I've been in a line for three hours and I'm just waiting to get a hotel voucher. So I'm glad that they're actually doing something yeah. about it. And I assume it's something that was on the list of things to do yeah. for a while. And they just said, okay, well, let's move it up because we need to get it done. Um, there was something I was going to say about this electronic voucher thing. Um, I can't remember now. It, it was a good thought, though. Uh, I can't remember. Um, yes, it, it, it actually does make, um, you know, total, total sense. Uh, what was it? Oh, the meal voucher side of things. So uh, are these meal vouchers for the airport or is the meal voucher for the hotel? It's not specified, but it will only go to passengers who have a hotel voucher. So I'm assuming it's at the hotel. Uh, okay. No, that's by no means guaranteed. Well, you wouldn't, you wouldn't need a voucher for the hotel. You would just put You it might, on, right? No, you if you're having it, dinner. Yeah. Just put it on your bill because you're checking in in a reservation and you get, so, you, so basically your yeah, reservation but, would be include a meal or no meal. Right, but there has to be a limit on the expense, right? You don't want these passengers living it up at the airline's expense. Well, well, yeah, but it's it's a meal, and once you once you do it, then you go to the uh, the thing and they check on your room, and they just char they're charging it to your room, but they're making sure that it's just one meal. So you're still giving me something. So that means that because these hotels, a lot of these hotels don't have anything extra to read that meal voucher. It's an electronic voucher, right? Yeah, it's supposed to be with the hotel voucher. Yes. Yeah, and, and so. saying and saying it's touchless, that's stupid, because you're not using a kiosk. That's the thing I was going to say. You're not using a kiosk. It's on it's on your phone. So it's not touchless. I'm touching my phone. But yeah, that yeah, marketing. Some, yes, you have some very not so smart people marketing them. Like whatever. Um, uh, okay, so you had something else about um, what are they trying to do now? They're changing the cleaning solution? They're not with Clorox? Yes. Um, so we sh it bothers me a little bit to think how dirty these airports must have been before COVID. Oh, dude, but you know it was dirty. <laughs> I, I mean, my so flight has been delayed because the plane was not clean when we came up. The, the crew came on, they looked at it and they're like, we need to have the plane clean. And they sent back for the crew to come back and clean the plane before we could get on. And even when I got on, my, my thing had trash in it. So yes, these planes were dirty. <laughs> Go ahead. So, Sorry. My pet um, <laughs> So United, again, has introduced um, a system called Clorox Total 360. Now, Clorox is a well-known brand here in the US. Um, um, they're sort of like Dettol in the rest of the world, if that's a familiar name. But um, it's like um, 
It sort really... of looks like a spray gun, yeah. like at the end of a gardening hose, for instance. Um, and they are introducing this together with Clorox that is a disinfecting spray and a solution, liquid solution, that is designed to be antibacterial and antimicrobial, as well as um, EPA approved to kill SARS um, COVID-2 virus. So it's supposed to be entirely safe for humans. And um, it's so going to be used. For sure. <laughs> you have to trust someone. So they say until somebody gets sick later from all these chemicals are spraying. You know someone's going place. to get sick. Oh, absolutely. about something. But anyway, let me finish. So they're going to spray this on board and also in all ticketing lobbies, terminals, gate rooms, uh, employee spaces, and all United Club locations. Um, it's uh, going to be at 35, um, again, U.S. locations initially and to be expanded in early 2021. So, and what they're also doing for baggage handlers is, this is something new I learned, that there's such a thing called antimicrobial gloves to ramp and baggage service employees that are reusable and are antimicrobial and preserve these qualities for up to six months. Um, United has also been working for the Cle with the Cleveland Clinic, which is a prominent hospital in the US as well. What does that mean, antimicrobial good for six months? So the gloves that they are being provided, these baggage handlers and our ramp agents, uh -huh. um, are safe when and if um, these people handle contaminated bags. So does that mean that you don't wash your glove for six months? <laughs> it's not specified. Because uh, I have some antimicrobial masks. It's, uh, I got them from this company called Janus. These. No, this, these are gloves, not masks. Oh, right. But, but I mean, but this is antimicrobial material. Yeah. So it's the same material that, that the gloves are made of. Maybe. Maybe. Um, I would assume, right? I mean, antimicrobial is antimicrobial. You should be able to wash this and still retain the characteristics. Well, right. Which is the same thing with these. You can wash these and reuse them. Yeah, but uh, I don't know if the gloves are the same. You would imagine if they last six months, I would hope they would wash them occasionally. I would hope they would wash them occasionally. I mean, I've, no. been, I've been on the ramp and no, people don't wash their gloves. They just put them on their hand again the next day. <laughs> <laughs> That's just, it, it's, it's a tough environment, Kishore, So I bet it is. But uh, we have to give the airline some leeway and some Yes, they're trying. they're trying. Okay, so, Absolutely, so, they're trying. So this brings up a question, though. What are they doing now? Is it, is it's it just, me. Is it because they have those... No, I think they have their usual gloves, right? Because they no, all no. have those really thick, yeah, they, uh, right. unwieldy-looking gloves. Yeah, you're using your... I, that I get, but in terms of the cleaning stuff that they were talking about, since they're going to be using this new cleaning procedure, I, yes. I'm assuming that this is cheaper than what they're doing now. Because then I don't know using... if they were doing other things other than just wiping it down, you know, as a regular cleaning service. No, but this is they... actually a canister with, as I said, the spray gun yeah. looking that the cleaning person sprays in the general area of the hydrants. Well, well we've, we've been reporting on different things that they're using, right? They had these things that you put in, you just put in, it sprays by itself. And then you had the one that they were 
one some some company had a robotic thing that they had yes and yes. Then there was another one where i this spray was actually like it it was like two almost two thousand dollar each when i looked it up online okay and i was thinking god if they needed one of those for every plane <laughs> that becomes really expensive so my guess is that they're looking at everything and they're just they're figuring out how to how to save money because I'm, the solution is probably the same. Because why? Why would the solution right. be different, right? And by par partnering, or with minor differences, by partnering with Clorox, they perhaps got some sort of relief in um, financial uh, assistance from. But but Clorox they've already company. they've already partnered with Clorox. Clorox is their thing, right? So this is this that Clorox partnership is not the new part of it, right? No, it's not. But yeah. uh, by marketing it as a Clorox Total Three Sixty, puts the name out there. Because uh, Delta does. Um, what's the name of the other company? You know, Purell. I, I know what you mean. Purell. I think Delta partners with Purell. Because uh, they have those dispensers on board. Yeah, and American has another one. I think one they're only um, the. Hand sanitizer, as far as I know. Yeah, I mean, they, they, yeah, but no, they, there's a whole bunch of stuff that they're doing with all these. Companies. No, I, yeah, yeah. So, but let's right. give United credit where credit is due. No, 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 it's, it's fine. I'm just, with any of the airlines, I'm not impressed when they tell me the planes are clean. I'm just not. I'm like, they're supposed to be clean. Don't stop telling me that they're clean because. That is not what's making people fly because people expect the planes to be clean. So, so they need to figure out a different way to convince people that, I don't know. It's, it's people not to be so filthy and consider right. others. Right, exactly. So, so, so tell me a different, tell me, market something else to me other than my planes are clean and we have HEPA filter because we know that. Uh, I mean, it's been nine months. We know that. <laughs> what else could they do, though? Uh, so one thing we need to we need to figure out why is it that people aren't getting on a plane? So survey your people. because a lot of it has to do with the restriction at the other end. Yes, exactly, exactly. So that's my thing, right? Try to figure out why are people not getting on the plane, and then once you figure out why they're not getting on the planes, you can address those in your marketing. Because right now, like you said, it's, it's like more of a government issue than it is well, an airline issue. But the airlines, right? are the, but the airlines are the one telling people, "Get on my plane, get on my plane," because my plane is clean. And people are like, "Well, yeah, but if I go to if I go to London, I can't go to London because I have a fourteen day quarantine, and I can't afford to I can't afford to stay there for fourteen days plus my seven day trip that I was going to do in the UK. Hmm. And then if I want to go on another trip." I can't because they have quarantine or something like that. But I think if they figure out why is it that people aren't traveling, then they can address it rather than keep telling me that there's a HEPA filter. But I think they are making progress on that based on this Common Pals app that United debuted this week for um, uh, Newark, London yeah, Heathrow. but I still have 14-day quarantine when I go to London. No, you do not. No, I, ca not, I can Not I with can this. Go. Not with if, this. Yes, it's fine, but, but they're, on, they're on lockdown, so I can't go anywhere until December 3rd. That's not United's fault, right? But see, this is what I'm saying, right? Yeah, it's you're, right. you're right. right. It's not the airline's fault. So, no. so 
So I can fly, I can get to London, but then when I get there, I can't go anywhere because they're locked down. And that's why I'm not going. And why are we having so much trouble here in Europe and North America when the rest of the world, in China, in Southeast Asia, in Africa, they seem to be, I don't want to say okay, but they seem to be in a much, much better situation than we are. Well, it, it may just be media, right? That we don't know what's going on in those countries. Um, True. Or because we, True. Don't, because we don't know, right? I mean, we don't see what's going on. You on don't the, see the level of death, deaths and infections. Right. We don't we hear do, about them anyway. We do not see that. And even like South America, like Brazil had a spike. Right. But all of a sudden we I don't... Brazil is still... In trouble. It's still, right, but we don't hear anything about it anymore. Yeah. Right? And their plans go into Brazil every day. Mm -hmm. I'm in Houston every day. So, um, yeah, we just need to understand why are people not traveling? We know there's COVID, but there are also people traveling because I see, that, I see them online all the time. So some people are traveling, but some aren't. And so we need to figure out why are some people traveling and why aren't some not? And who are traveling? Because I think what happens, a lot of people I see online, they're young people in their 20s. The older people that I have on my list, they're like, I'm not traveling. Um, and their reason for not traveling is that they don't feel it's safe to travel. And, and travel is not just getting on a plane because they're airline people and they, they know what it is to get on a plane, but it's the getting to the airport, getting off the plane, doing stuff after. I think that's what the issue is. So I hope that they'll address that because then we can get people on the plane. Um, speaking of people not being on the plane, um, it's causing, uh, as you know, a bunch of airlines that are going out of business or ceasing operations. How are we doing on time, by the way? Sorry to interrupt. Um, I haven't even been counting. We're a little, we're probably, we're probably at about an hour now, but we only have three more, four more stories to go, so we can just okay. finish them up. Okay. Um, I've been rambling again. <laughs> So the, there's some airlines in the U.S. that you never hear about. And one of them is uh, Raven Alaska. Uh, it's a small operation up in uh, Alaska. What's going on with them, Kosho? Um, so this is an airline that I've known for ages. Mm -hmm. Then I'm unusual. Um, and they have um, a really essential air service in um, Alaska that is largely remote. So they have been providing literally life-supporting air service between um, bigger cities in Alaska, like Anchorage, for instance, and uh, smaller outlying posts. Right. And one of those airlines was um, called Raven. It used to be Raven Air Alaska. Mm -hmm. Now it's just called Raven Alaska. So um, they restarted operations in early November with charter flights between Anchorage um, and um, a little town called Dutch Harbor in the Aleutian Islands. Ah, cool. Southwest. Yeah. Alaska, and very remote using a Dash 8 um, aircraft. Now, a little bit of background. Uh, they used to serve 100 destinations with, uh, in Alaska and employed about 1,300 people, but they declared bankruptcy uh, in April 5th, 2020. So um, 
what this was really an essential service and local governments in at least northern Alaska offered to take control of the airline and essentially subsidize it into providing continued air service. But uh, the government of Alaska, state government of Alaska declared it to be improper. Long story short, they went out of business and ceased operations. Uh, they used to operate with twin otters, by the way, VHC uh, seven, was it twin otter? No, six, but anyway, I'm digressing. Um, the assets and the operating certificate of Raven Alaska was sold to a company called Float Shuttle. Now, this is a Southern California-based outfit that um, plans to offer flights to Los Angeles area destinations um, and market to what they call super commuters with a one-way commute of, um, I believe it was 50 miles or 90 minutes. Long story short, they've got the loans they needed. They're currently seeking approval for uh, commercial service. But they have, Raven Air Alaska now has the authority to operate four charters a week from Anchorage to um, certain um, Alaskan outposts. Some of them that they mentioned were Homer, uh, Valdez, Sandpoint, and Kenai, which are all south and southwest of Anchorage and in fairly remote areas of the country, not uh, upstate rather. Uh, so far, they haven't mentioned anything about Northern Alaska, but I'm sure once they get their air operator certificate back and their um, licensing to start commercial service, that will continue. But I just wanted to mention this because really they provide um, essential, essential service to a lot of Alaska. Your mic is off, by the way. Sorry, I had, I had paused it because uh, we're outside and um... We are quite far from the highway, but whenever the wind blows, you can hear the okay. cars. They sound like they're like in my backyard. <laughs> it's quite funny. Um, yeah, people don't realize how important these small airlines are to like a place like Alaska. Uh, Closest I can, I can think of, and I don't think it's even close, is what United does in Micronesia, island hopper flights. Yeah, um, there are so. actually. There are a few more of them, like uh, in, yeah. in uh, Montana. Uh, okay, yes, a, you're right, you're right. Southwest um, as yeah. well, Southwest yep. in the US, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I mean, you know, KPA flies. I flew that flight and the lady, one of the lady on there, um, she, has, she does cancer treatment two times a week. And so mm -hmm. it would be, uh, the flight's like a little under an hour, but it would be like a four and a half, almost five hour drive each way to do that journey okay. to go into this little town. Um, so yeah, yeah it, it's, it's quite important that these things happen. Um, I wanted to give you a little update on, I think the COVID-19, the, the, the test program that the, we're talking about United doing the test mm -hmm. program. Um, I think it's actually on hold. 
for, for the reason that we were talking about, right? That um, New York has a quarantine thing on again. Right. And so does London. And the flight is between those two cities. <laughs> right, but I, I read an article that uh, it, the inaugural test was this week. Yeah, I don't think it's happening. Uh, November 14th. Yeah. But o only because both cities have 14 day quarantine. Right. So both cities have 14 day quarantines. It doesn't it doesn't hmm. make sense that you could fly between the two cities using this test because the cities the cities themselves have COVID uh, quarantines. And I think that's the issue that we're talking about, right? Is that it's not just about the flight. The flight is just one part of the journey. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I was reading something and I saw that. So, but anyway, um, yeah. So hopefully, Ra I'm glad Raven is back. Is back again. Uh, <laughs> all right. So last week, I think, uh, the, or maybe the last episode, we talked about Flypop, uh, yes. the weirdest name for an airline. Uh, what's the update on Flypop? <laughs> so this was an article that I read uh, in Aviation Week. Uh, it dealt with details provided by the CEO of um, Flypop, yeah, which is um, a UK long haul LCC based in somewhere in in uh, the UK, <laughs> and initially planning to operate service to India. Okay, so. Um, his name is Nino Singh Judge, the CEO. And other than being just another LCC, what he wants to do is make it an LCC with um, a twist. And one of the first things he me he mentioned that they, this is Flightbomb, uh -huh. plan to be the first airline to offset its uh, carbon dioxide emissions uh, with credits. This whole carbon credit thing is a pretty established system worldwide. Um, it's but, <laughs> well, it's better than nothing. I'm not sure I agree with it because I can yeah. see it being ripe for fraud. Yeah. But at least they're doing the something. credits don't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, they're bought and sold by between different companies. And they go towards... Um, funding um, carbon dioxide and greenhouse gas emission reduction schemes like mm. hydroelectric or wind power or solar power plants and things like that. But anyway, um, what they're going to do is uh, they're going to initially buy these carbon offsetting credits. What he's going to use for money, he did not say. Remember, this is an LCC. Right. But they are going to be relying exclusively on ancillary revenue to make profits. And they are going to start by planting one tree for every passenger they carry. So um, where the rationale he uses trees? is a little sketchy because he said, sorry, say that again. Where are they planting these trees? They did not specify. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I'm not sure it really matters as long as they're planting trees and good okay. trees, not the junk ones. Right. But Remember, they're an LCC, so they're looking to cut costs. Uh-huh. But I'm being cynical. <laughs> so uh, the rationale he used was that a 10-hour round trip 
which again sounds a little short for the UK and India, um, is about one ton of carbon dioxide emission and one tree captures a ton of carbon dioxide over 20 years. Again, the logic, maybe I'm missing it, but I reread this thing a couple of times, but that's exactly what he said. Um, and if they switch over to biofuels for their aircraft, uh, which potentially are the Airbus 330, mm -hmm. Neo, the 7879, or the Airbus 350. Um, also, for every main course meal sold on board, uh, they are going to provide meals to UK and South Asian homeless populations. Um, what they're going to do is one meal sold on board Flypop is going to provide three meals to the homeless, widows and orphans um, at the destination of each flight. Okay. So uh, they're initially focusing on India from, um, the headquarters are in Stansted, but they are talking to different airports around the country and they plan to expand service in the future to Pakistan, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Bhutan, and Nepal. And they have goals of um, trying to entice European, South Asians, and uh, travelers on a budget come to the UK to fly to India, and especially North America. And they mentioned the New York, New Jersey area, Toronto in Canada, and Vancouver in yeah. Western Canada. So um, they're looking at about um, 31 inch pitch, uh, which is a little bit tight, but remember you're playing, you're supposedly paying LCC prices with nine abreast, uh, but they're also flight. looking, sorry, say that again. 31 inches for a long flight, that's ridiculous. But remember, you pay, you get what you pay for. Yeah, but that's ridiculous for sure. I mean, so just thinking tight. about 31 inches for an eight hour flight at least. Seven, that's, eight, yeah. Seven, eight in that range. Yeah, that's crazy. And people pay, so, that's the thing. Yeah. And if people pay it, I mean. Why not? Why not? Right. So they're looking initially at a 400 capacity, all economy class configuration. But they're also planning to have 14 extra legroom seats in the front of the aircraft. Ooh, Get a little, exciting. perhaps, extra <laughs> 14 out of 400. Woohoo, thank you. So, uh, <laughs> oh, come on. At least they're trying something. 14 out of 400, Kushra? They may be able to expand that. But they plan for a quarter fourth 2021 start. But if push comes to shove, they're um, able to start at the end of quarter one in 2022. Now remember, they got this grant from the Future Fund um, in the UK, which was established by the government for companies that were affected by coronavirus. And this is what they're using the money to do? Start yes. another, Start another airline? Yes. They should take the money back. <laughs> so there is a huge market for sure. What, now, whether they have a first flight at all, another matter. What is the average height of their um, of their target customers? Not very tall, 
then I'm not sure you could really classify um, <laughs> it's there. all passengers to that. Well, but, but you know, it's hold hold on a sec. Okay, but yeah. So, um, why did they take money to do stuff like that? Like, <laughs> um, thirty-one inches is very is very narrow. Is very mm -hmm. small, right? And the problem is that so people are not going to complain about it. They'll just buy the tickets anyway. But then after they get on it, they'll come back and they'll start complaining at how 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 they can't fit on the plane. And so yeah. I, I don't get why these why these guys keep doing this thing. And you know, and saying, "Oh, you have fourteen seats. Fourteen out of four hundred." Um, well, it would be less, not marginally. Yeah, and, and what um, are they? Is it a just to compare? Ryanair in the U in Europe has uh, thirty inches. Yeah, you get a whopping one extra inch. Oh, I can't fit in a Ryanair Ryanair in the Ryanair planes unless unless I encroach on the person next to me. Thankfully, mm -hmm. the flights I've been on. Um, Actually, I had a middle seat once, and it's weird. So what I have to do is, I if I stretch my feet out, I can sit there. But Orion Air flights are like an hour, hour and a half or so. Right, it is, it is eight hours. Yeah. And, what and I don't know if these seats will recline. Also, probably not. They're probably they they those, never specified those, that those special seats that don't recline that they recline. Right. And they're cheaper and lighter. Yeah. yeah, like the Ryan Air ones, they don't recline. Right. Um, what kind of plane are they using at four hundred seats? Uh, a three thirty Neo. Or a seven eight nine or a three fifty. Such a shame using such a really nice plane and you're just crapping up the interior. I mean, you're already saving money because you're not going to have any entertainment on it. <laughs> so they never specified that, and I think the editor of Aviation Week should have actually asked about that. Yeah, because we... entertainment on a seven to eight hour flight is pretty important, I would imagine. Yeah, but you know or what? Least, but remember, this is. They're a year away from start service. Yeah, so they, they probably have Wi-Fi on board for, available for sale Yeah, and things like that. I'm sure they haven't omitted that. I don't know. I just wish these airlines would just stop. Like, stop giving me less room on the plane because you know that's the number one thing that the, the passengers uh, mm. don't like. You and think of a better name. Yeah, and think of a better name. I mean, Fly Pop, it, it, it sounds like K-pop. <laughs> they won't be flying to South Korea anytime soon. <laughs> uh, all right, so no. let, let's talk about planes that they're, that they're getting rid of. So we know that they, a lot of airlines are parked in the A380s, and Emirates is the biggest customer of the A380, yes. right? I think they have about 112, 115 of them. Yeah. It's always fun going to Dubai and you're seeing like a whole line of A380s and they're all heading across the Atlantic to here. Um, so what are they doing with... with so this was news to me, and yeah. that's why I've mentioned it here. Uh -huh. that last week we had talked about um, Highfly, which is a Portuguese charter airline that had taken ownership of an ex-Singapore Airlines A380. Yeah. And converted it to a cargo configuration by removing all the seats <clears throat> um, and using it for um, medical uh, cargo flights. 
Okay. Well, apparently that didn't work out too well for them. And um, Highfly is retiring the aircraft and uh, sending it back to its lessers. Uh, Emirates okay. Sky Cargo, uh, by contrast, is actually has actually used one of its passenger A380s. And uh, what they specified is they've optimized the cargo carrying capacity to uh, 50 tons. This is an A380 in passenger configuration for Emirates. 50 ton cargo capacity in its belly. Okay. Two, uh, lower belly cargo compartments, which is about 110,000 pounds or about 50,000 kilos. Um, and um, this week, actually this past week, it had its first flight from Seoul in Korea to Amsterdam via Dubai. Um, so this follows a lot of airlines like American United and Air Canada that have converted um, their passenger aircraft to carry cargo. What Emirates is also looking at doing with this and other, possibly other A380s is to use the seats to carry additional cargo, uh, oh, like okay. for instance, PPE. Yeah. So yeah. enhance the cargo carrying uh, uh, capacity of this aircraft because you cannot really load um, typical pallets on the main deck and especially not the upper deck of the 380. Because right, so you have to find a way to get it in, and the, the floor is not um, suitable for that level of concentrated weight. Makes sense. So I just, as a comparison, uh, this Emirates A380 cargo version uh, carries 50 tons, uh, but uh, 777F, which is the 200LR from Boeing, carries 103 tons, yeah, which is right. about 102,000 kilograms or 225-ish thousand pounds. Yeah. And a 777-300ER, which is the other aircraft in Emirates' fleet, mm -hmm. um, carries in its belly 23 tons or 46,000 pounds or 21,000 kilograms. So... Um, it's about double, this 380 is about double the cargo carrying capacity of a 777-300ER aircraft. And that's without, out, without outfitting it as a cargo plane. Correct. So with all that. So I guess they would, um, I, they, they never talked about removing the seats, but I guess the water tanks, um, especially for the showers, would be much lighter. Uh, interesting. And uh, I guess no food. So the beverage and uh, food cards, that's minor. So basically, as long as you can carry the same maximum takeoff weight of the plane and strap it down, then you're fine. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Okay. So, and that's what they're going to do then? They did that this week. Hmm. I wonder how many of them to them. Yeah. Medical. All right. It, it makes sense. I mean, yeah. As as, yeah. As long as the airplane is flying, because the thing is, that if you add more weight, the landing gear wouldn't be able to take it. Right. Well, you just, you asked. And that was problem. one of the, uh, the criticisms of the 380. 
is that um, it couldn't really take a lot of baggage in addition to what passengers uh, bring on board but as checking luggage. But it's so big. Right. That, that's but they point to the 777-300ER, which also has a lot of cargo carrying capacity in addition to passengers checking luggage. So but Boeing was thinking the shape of the aircraft has a lot to do with it. Yeah, yeah. So, so Boeing thought about it, but Airbus didn't? <laughs> well, you know what they expected? Remember, they were going to produce a, a 380 cargo for FedEx and UPS? Yeah. And they, and and they, they abandoned it. Well, we, we now we know why. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Our last story. Um, uh, let's see. Um, Do we have anything else? Yeah. We have the, the story about Qantas uh, eliminating, oh, yes. eliminating humans. I don't like yes. these stories, Krish. I don't like when we eliminate humans. So this is, at, um, again, maybe the beginning of a trend. But um, no surprise and no secret that Qantas is in uh, difficult financial straits. Yeah, all the airlines are, right? Right, all of them. Uh, this was in the Sydney Morning Herald newspaper. And what they announced as part of their cost-cutting initiatives is they are going to shutter all airport service desks and force customers into self-service kiosks or online or through a call center. Um, so what they're going to do is permanently uh, close all customer service and sales desks at all Qantas airports and lounges um, leaving passengers the ability to uh, purchase a ticket or deal with customer service on their own through these three different methods. How exciting. Uh, and they're starting this in the first half of 2021. Uh, as I said, it's part of their COVID cross-cutting and as they say, reflecting how people wanted to travel. That is not true. Uh, I'm not marketing. sure I totally agree with that. That's marketing. Yeah. People want people. They're saying this will affect about 100 staff who will have to be let go. Uh -huh. um, so there will no longer be any staffed location at the airport or in a lounge where you can buy a ticket or adjust your schedule. But what they did specify is that there will be staffed check-in desks at Qantas Airport, also staffed to support time-sensitive flight management exceptions. And what exactly that means, they did not uh, detail. Um, um, so Qantas started out with 29,000 employees. They've got 6,000. Um, and an additional 2,400 with outsourcing, for instance, their ground handling services. Okay, so if I understand it correctly, they're, they're taking away the people that they were, that were selling tickets at the airport. Correct. Is that the only one? No, customer service as well. Okay. But that just means, but they still have people at check-in. I check in, correct. So just and as they say, others to um, support time-sensitive flight management and exceptions. Well, right. So that's the 
that's like the non-web desk. <laughs> if you ever go to if you ever go to Sydney, they'll have that desk yeah. where they do all the exceptions, uh, unaccompanied minors, right. groups, and stuff like that. But that's across a lot of airlines, right? Um, with yeah, so they'll still have that. So all will happen is that you're just going to go ask those people your questions. So you're you're just moving, you're taking you're taking the questions away from one area, and people because people, if I have a question. And I need, and I know that the kiosk can't help me. I'm gonna come to you, Kushar, because you're the only person that can help me. I know the kiosk can't work because I've done it before, and the kiosk doesn't work. Um, well, I think this is the beginning of a trend. It's a bad trend. Yeah, maybe. It's a horrible trend. Um, so. and it's, it's a trend that was not working before, and before COVID, because people just wanted. Because you, you go to the airport, and all you have is like one agent. It's it's like I'll give. You, have you been to Costco recently? Mm -hmm. And you see that they have the um, the self services back. Yes, it was always and, as far no, as I know. No, 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 no. They took them away. They you mean the checkout? Yeah, the self service checkouts were gone. They were gone for like. No. Yeah, yeah, they were gone. They were gone for at least. I don't know, a year or more. Yeah, they used to have them over by the left side, but they took them all out and you had to go to a person to check you out okay. while they're back again. And the reason why they took them out, you know, because I always ask, um, they said they took them out because people were stealing. Yes, and they couldn't handle, they couldn't control the fact that people were stealing. So they put them back, but there is still a person there. Yes. Because, and now that person has a scanner and that person will do the scanning for you if you need to get the scanning done. And that person will also keep an eye on you <laughs> to make sure you don't steal stuff when you go out the door. <laughs> and so we need people. No matter how we have self-service, we need people. Even if someone just to say hello to, we still need people. And so um, when the volume of tickets purchased at airports was so infinitesimally small. Yeah, but you still the customer service is going to be what is going to trip them up, especially in bad weather situations exactly. or cancellation. Yep, and that's usually the problem. Uh, yeah. I, and, and of course, in airlines, so we know that happens all the time. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're always, you, even if it's not bad weather, a flight gets canceled or something happens. Um, I understand that they're trying to as much as they can to yeah. save money, but but um, all right. So I think that's the last one I have. Yes. Uh, Qantas, Qantas. All right. Um, geez, we've gone like this. This might be our longest episode, Kisha. <laughs> Although I doubt it. it. It's probably shorter than we think it is. Um, if, if you're trying to think why I can't tell how long the episode is, um, I time it, but then I keep forgetting to look at the time that we start because once we start, we, we chit chat before we actually do the recording. And the, the timer doesn't give the recording from the time that we start recording. But anyway, more information than you yeah. need. Um, so this has been uh, episode, I don't know, 50 something. <laughs> I think it's actually episode 52. On Sunday, November, November, November 15th. November 15th, exactly. Or is it the week beginning November 15th? <laughs> I guess it's the week. And, uh, no, these are all topics that were covered that happened, happened last, last week. week. Yeah. So, so does that mean our show should be what ha what's happening in travel last what week? Happened? 
Oh, it happened. <laughs> in, no, no, that's too past it. <laughs> um, Unless you're in the middle in the Middle East, so this well, is Sunday is like almost midweek. Yes, yeah, right, exactly. Um, I saw one of my friends. He was kicking his feet up, and he posted a photo. He was in Dubai, and I go, "What? This is how you work. This is how you say you work." And he goes, "It's Friday." So it's a weekend. I go, whatever. <laughs> so um, that's all we have for this week. Um, we are on Spotify and um, we are on Amazon Music, uh, Google, uh, and we're also on um, Apple Podcast. And so the whole thing behind these things is that um, if you, apparently nobody else counts. So go to Apple Podcast, listen, download, uh, share, like, comment, let us know how we're doing. Um, we are getting downloads on Apple, but we don't get enough downloads for us to get any ratings from Apple because you guys aren't downloading from Apple. You're listening to it, but you're listening from another source, which is good. Um, but thank you. Uh, so I'm Kerwin, and here is my buddy. I'm Kershaw. And thank you so much for listening. Uh, and um, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>